Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. ready i am what's up fungal associates welcome back to completely arbitrary the podcast about trees and other related topics we are back my name is alex croson my name is casey clapp i'm here sitting across from alex croson wow and i'm and by virtue of that i am sitting across from casey clapp that's true for one there's another for one there is another hi casey good day alex how you doing I'm doing pretty good. That's great. Thanks for uh, holding down the fort in my absence. Oh, it was my pleasure. I'm a good fort holder. You are. You very much are. Uh, Casey, we have spent the last two weeks uh, AFK, as they say. Uh, oh, come on. Hey, no, you told me this. You told me this. Come it's internet on. lingo. It means away from computer, but it comes from Afrikaans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yes. What's on a computer that starts with K? Keyboard. Yes. Ah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, you have been riding your bike uh, like a mad lad across the state of Iowa. Yeah, that's right. That's what I did. In uh, in the great race of Ragbri. It is only a ride. It is not a race. Excuse me. Thank you. You are excused. Try that again. <laughs> no. Uh, did I tell you? Did I tell you my my theory on Ragbri being Scottish? No. Tell us. It just sounds very Scottish to okay, me. That's, yeah, that's yeah. as far as the theory goes. Ragbri. Ragbri sounds Ragbri. like a like a Scottish warrior Ragbri. or something. Oh yeah, that would be kind of fun, wouldn't From it? From the ancient times. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Call Ragbri. Yeah. And then he comes in and like take care of things. Yeah. In a strike of lightning. Yeah. Okay. See, that sounds good. It's very uh, it's very Viking ish. Also. Oh yeah, Ragbri. Yeah. I guess Scottish and Vikings—they're all kind of—they're all of of a similar thing at some point. The Northern Europeans. Yeah, in fact, a lot of times. Uh, yeah. Well, we don't need to get into it. There's podcasts about history I can yeah. recommend. Yeah. And they—it's—it's it's very fun. Uh, the the <laughs> Viking Age and like the revisionist history huh. that's going on with it. Everyone was like, "Yeah, Vikings—they came and they pillaged." And everyone was like, "Well." I mean, it was a little bit different than that, and like the the how it came about, and like the the genetics of like specifically northern europe along the coast and the the uh, the uk isles if mm. you will very curious all about it interesting so i scottish and and vikings got a lot in common wow. sometimes literally kin you heard it here first you heard it here first everyone uh while you <laughs> there were is nowhere else <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever talked about this. No one has. There's not. No, yeah. Someone's going to be like, oh, I never thought about that. Oh, my God. Anyway. Oh, boy. You know, uh, while you were while you were uh, riding, not yes. racing, your bike across Iowa, Correct. I was suffering from a bout of COVID. That's right. I, um, I, how are you feeling? Feeling better. Jeez. And then, uh, and then, I, and then I got really into Buddhism mm. in the meantime. COVID does that. You know what? 
I've seen it a million times. Yeah. So many people I know who got COVID, they come out on the other end with their heads shaved, <laughs> wearing orange robes. Now, wouldn't that be kind of a, a fun cultural thing if, in fact, COVID, like there's all the conspiracies about COVID. Right. And then at the end of it, it was like, it's actually a Buddhist <laughs> uh, conversion tool. <laughs> they spread it around yeah. so they could get people to convert. It's chemical warfare put on by the Buddhists. Uh, those Buddhists, they're just sound like so them. casual. <laughs> um, yeah. Casey, speaking of Buddhism, I wanted to start today's episode and I, and I just jogged my own memory yeah. with a quick story ah. of something I did after our last episode which okay. was a discussion of a broad, sweeping, uneducated discussion of Buddhism. Yes, okay. Uh, where we yeah. talked about the, uh, the Bodhi tree. I was going to say, this is the Bodhi tree we're yep. referring to, yeah. And, uh, and you said, Alex, you're, you're sort of getting into that. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, sort of. Um, and I was like, what can I do to really like commit even a little bit to learning about Buddhism? Yeah. So I went to a Buddhist temple. Yes, that you said that you wanted to say this. Okay. Yes, I, I went to a I went to a Saturday service at a Buddhist temple. Okay, and um, it was wild. Yeah, what happened? Well, I went in. Okay, and immediately a woman came up to me and she was like, "Are you? Is this your first time?" <laughs> it's like, am I that white? <laughs> oh God, that's so funny. Is this your first time? She just like, knew. I probably looked like away. a deer in headlights walking around. <laughs> Um, but I said, yes. And she said, uh, we're taking a 10 minute break, but when we come back, just do what I tell you to do. Nice. She, she said it not unkindly. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, very much like I will take you under my wing. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. I think she was in charge of like all the annoying white people who come in oh. looking for an experience, you uh, know, I see. So like the, the tourists of, yes. of these kind of religious like, places, the perhaps. Buddhism tourists. Okay. Yeah. And it was really interesting. They yeah. it, there was a lot of chanting of mantras. Yeah. Um, very quickly, the tempo of these things was very fast. And she would come by and point at the sheet that I was looking at. I go, wow. And I'd be like, the moment you step away, I'm going to lose my place. But thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and then there was there was some there was some walking around to three different kind of shrines. Really. And I had to light a thing of incense. And put it in a little sand cup. Okay. This is probably so insulting to anyone who knows what these things are called. Oh, no. See, I think it would be insulting if you knew and actively decided not right. to say it. Rather than like, I can't remember any of these things my first time. Right. I'm just trying to do it. Yeah. It's like calling a calling a man named Jose Jose and pretending yeah. you don't know any better. Exactly. Now, see, if you honestly had no idea, sure. then you should be forgiven for that. <laughs> but if Jose tells you even once that it's ah, Jose. Then you must know. Yes. Okay. So, I, yeah, we were, we're walking around in three different places and lots of chanting and yeah. I accidentally followed the wrong guy at one point and he turned around angrily at me and went like telling me to go back and I was like oh sorry she told me to go Uh, (laughs) I couldn't like you know say any of this out loud anyway I felt a bit like a uh, Mr. Bean in there Uh but I had a good time Uh, it was a good workout lots of kneeling are you gonna go back Probably not, Casey. What? It, not because I didn't like it, okay. but I just don't know. Um, I think I have some self-exploration to do mm. in terms of Buddhism and okay. what I like out of it. Yeah. This was very much like church Buddhism. Ah, uh, I and see. And I, th- I think I'm maybe more into like... Uh, 
uh, at home practice. I see. Well, I mean, that is one of the things about it is that it it doesn't have a strict doctrine in sure. the same same sense. Well, well there no, are just like many. More, yeah, it's it's like this philosophical idea. Yeah. Versus like Hindu, where it has like all these different traditions that are kind of pulled together. Yeah. So yeah, I wonder if maybe you can just do that. Take it take it on your own scale, and then maybe go back every now and then just to to test the waters and maybe see what else you can learn from that mm-hmm. kind of experience because it's always seems interesting to go go once go a few times go you go test out because anytime you go to one place the first time i feel like even if it's a bar i have that same exact feeling uh, <laughs> i'm like i don't know this bartender do i do i order over here no i don't oh i've just been standing here like an idiot for sure. like six hours like you know what do you do so i, th- I think it's i at least would encourage that you maybe give it a a, a second chance or third chance just to just to kind of say okay now i kind of i kind of feel where i'm at when mm-hmm. you go in and she says hey this is not your first time. Right. Welcome back. Maybe you'll feel a little bit more comfortable. I, I, I appreciate that sentiment. I probably, I, I, I might, I might go back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also, I think it's very flattering that you you think that she would remember me. <laughs> Alex, you're extremely rememberable. Memorable? Rememberable. Uh, rememberable, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm happy that you did that. I think that's really important to do. You know, it's well, a part thanks, of this exploration Case. process. Yeah, I would encourage anybody who's curious just to walk in. They were extremely welcoming yeah. and friendly. Except for that one guy. He's like, don't follow me. <laughs> I don't want to be followed. He was also nice. I don't want to paint him as a, a villain type. Uh, he just was nice, and uh, but he was, you know, I, I'm looking at it from his perspective, and yeah. like, he's got a job to do this morning. Yeah. And this this guy just walks in and wants to be a part of things, and yeah. you'll probably never see him again. Yeah, this, and, you know. this guy, so a guy walks into a Buddhist temple. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I that's all I have and uh and oh there's probably a there's probably so many great Buddhist jokes I'm don't sure you reckon yeah we'll save that for the after hours podcast where the, <laughs> yeah we're the punch our, our Howard Stern-esque uh, type <laughs> radio show oh uh, yeah uh, so we got a bunch of naked ladies over here they're slowly uh, taking their clothes off while we make Buddhist jokes over here and the monk says be here now <laughs> all right we got to take a break today we're talking the beach she oak uh, I thought you'd be like, all right, today we're sponsored by Bud Light. And I'm like, what? Yeah, anyway, sorry, Alex. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we are talking the beach she-oak. 
attorney at law is the joke that I've said three times mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. We have some we have some interesting stories to tell today. Yes, we do. I think it's going to be a fun episode because we got a good smat. We have a good charcuterie board of kind of facts and yes. feelings today. Yeah, um, and we're talking about turtles we are we're talking about turtles ultimately but as i was reading through here i'm like well there's way more than turtles here you know sure it is not turtles all the way down it is not turtles all the way down it actually only goes maybe a foot or two (laughs) down and then after that it's a lot of different two feet of turtles and then sand and soil and then mostly sand and soil for the rest of it then you hit the water bed Um, and then everything's just salty, briny. <laughs> uh, Casey. Yes, Alex. She-oak. She-oak. Otherwise, for those of you who may not be familiar, uh, the Australian pine. Yeah. Which, of all the trees that you would call pine, this is probably the one where I'm like, okay, pass. I give you a pass on this. Really? Because it truly, honestly does look like a pine. Like, Yeah. I, I, I will throw shade at no one who decides that they're like this I'm this this has got to be a pine. I see. It's even got a cone like thing that looks like a cone. Now, it does. It doesn't look anything like a pine cone. I don't know. To, but, the, to the untrained eye I think it does. Exactly. I completely concur. In yeah. fact, when I initially saw this cuz I've actually seen this tree a few different times. The first time was in uh it was in the Philippines on a island called Zimbales or an area called Zimbales and I was like what is this like I just had no clue I Mm. was convinced it was a conifer until I found this little cone and then a boss of mine whose uh, family is from more tropical places years ago in Seattle I saw the little cone like fruiting structure and I was like oh it's that tree wow and it is like it's just it's such an interesting tree Casey, as we do every episode, let's imagine that you and I mm-hmm. are walking along the beaches of Kiwaden Islands. Where are these? These are in Florida. Oh. Kind of southern Florida on okay. the western side. The western side, okay. So we're going to come back to these islands mm-hmm. later in the episode. This is the Gulf side of the Florida Peninsula. That's right. Okay. On the Gulf side of town. All right. And All we right. come across some beach she oak slash Australian pine. Let's yep. ID this tree. Let's do it. Now, a quick note on yes. the scientific name. I read the pronunciation here as being... Casuaria, Casuarina, Equisetifolium, which is fun to say. Now, I have always pronounced this Casuarina, but apparently it's Casuarina. Casuarina? Yes. So it's like C-A-S-U-A-R-I-N-A. So when I read that, I kind of just jam the U-A-R all together. So it would be Casarina. A Casifolia? No, that is Equisitifolia. 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 Yes, and I'll oh, tell you why. God. I know, it's, it's, the, it's, it's not a bad name, but it's one you just have to like, figure out and remember how to pronounce. I guess. It's no, it's no Metasequoia glyptic stroboides. It is I'll not. That. Yeah, that, that flows perfectly. It's, it's, it's like a mountain stream. It's yes, so pure. This is clunky. This is a little more clunky. So the, the 
the specific epithet comes from equisetum, which is what Pliny the Elder called a horsetail, uh, like a literal tail of a horse. Right. So we have a plant that we call horsetail that is a small little um, ancient species of an herb that grows up in like wetland kind of areas. Yeah. And we call it horsetail. The scientific name for that is equisetum. Aha. Uh-huh. So this is equisetiafolia, which is the equisetum-like leaves of this casserina. Wow. Yes, which, it again, spectacular name. Like, it just makes so much sense. When you look at the leaves, or what you think are the leaves, mm. it looks just like equisetum. So, equisetiafolia, equisetifolia. This name is like a reference to a reference. Yes, which is, in my opinion, the best names. Because you, you trace them, you know? You're like... Yeah, I suppose that's kind of fun. This tree, when you look at it, you're like, oh, these leaves look like horsetail. Oh, it's the horsetail-like tree, so it makes sense. Okay. You know, or it's it's a scientific name that is a reference to a reference to a reference, but that reference is, it all makes sense. It does make sense. I don't love it. That's fair. <clears throat> That's fair. I don't want to start on a negative note. But you know what? Minus one point. <laughs> it's not very zen of me. <laughs> so um, I'm going to say casuarina because casuarina just seems clunkier. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to smash that together. And you know what? Whatever. Come at him. Yeah. Thank you. Well, let's so, talk about the uh, let's talk about the overall morphology of this tree, Casey. Yeah, Alex. I am glad you asked. Oh boy. It's a tree that grows. Uh, apparently, it can get up to 175 feet tall, which is pretty stunning. That's a uh, that's like 45 meters, and I'm I'm blown away by that. I had no idea that it could get that tall. It's a big old tree. It feels like it should not get that tall, but apparently it does in the right circumstances, and it also tends to have a a flat topped crown because the it's a it's a not a conifer i should we should note this right off the bat it looks like a pine tis not a pine it is actually in the juglandaceae or juglandales i believe so it's this it is in a group that includes the oaks and the birches and the juglands as well as all the myrtles walnuts walnuts so, so this is a this is an angiosperm it is an See? angiosperm Hell yes, Alex. I did it. Well done. So the fact that it generally has a single stem and looks like a pine tree is just superficial. It will have (laughs) branches uh, that are lateral that grow up and end up growing a little bit faster than the main stem. So it kind of develops this broader flat-topped canopy Mm. as it gets older. But the whole form of the tree is very frilly, very feathery, very wispy looking because it has these long needle-like growths that are photosynthetic. So it looks like you have this needled tree growing up that just looks like a bunch of pom-poms on top of pom-poms on top of pom-poms. Now, would you call those leaves? I would not. This is interesting. And here's why. The leaves of this tree are actually like a millimeter or two. Oh. And they are whirled at these little sections along branches. And these branches are photosynthetic. They have... In the cuticle of the branch tissue, the green that we think to ourselves, this is a leaf. But it's not. The leaves are 
at these joints. So one of the things about equisetum, about horsetail, is that it is jointed, where it grows up, and then there's like a joint, then it grows up, then there's a joint, then it grows up. Often they have these leaves that come out, the equisetum, equisetum does. So it has this, uh, this kind of like, this interesting appearance where it's like a central stem with these layers of leaves coming out and then it goes up, then another layer of leaves, then it goes up, then another layer of leaves. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen these kind of horsetails? Yeah, I think so. It kind of looks like they have a little, uh, <clears throat> like they're almost like um, skeleton arms. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, ha it looks like uh, if you have an umbrella, but you take all the, the fabric of the umbrella yes, away, yeah. and then you just put another umbrella on top, then another one on top, then another one on top. Right. So, well, so the curious thing is that the leaves are really teeny tiny. They're essentially these scale-like bits that don't do a damn thing. Okay. They are completely minimized while the photosynthetic ability is put into the stem of these little branchlets. So the branchlets come out, and then there's this little ring of leaves that I think I've read anywhere from 6 to 10 to four to 20. So there could be a significant amount of these little teeny tiny leaves that are whirled. They just go in this little circle and then there's another growth. And that is kind of the, the little branchlet, the little twig covered in green. And they're have little tiny ridges in it with little tiny hairs in the middle. How of strange. These. They're really weird. Like why they decided to go this route. No idea. Can I say though, that those, those, needle-like growths yeah i think i would effectively call those the leaves now this is a really interesting question because do you remember our discussion of the cyadopides the umbrella pine where um, they had those yeah. claydodes where it looks like a leaf but it is actually the same exact thing it's a branch uh, a branch tissue that comes out that does a photosynthesis oh right yeah sure so they call those cladodes yeah as opposed to leaves because the leaves were these teeny tiny little things that again were just like for all intents and purposes ignored evolutionarily so i i guess and this is this is where i'm i'm with you this looks so much like a pine that you'd say those are just the leaves. Those those are doing the things that mm -hmm. leaves are doing. Botanically speaking, we're looking for the bud. The bud is not at the base of the branchlets. They're at the base of these little teeny tiny leaves that are so completely minimized. They they're just not doing anything. So they're they, these these grows these claydodes are performing. No, these are not claydodes. These are not claydodes. I looked and I have seen nothing that says these are claydodes. Okay, it's, these are growths. They're just branches that are doing photosynthesis. I think they are performing the roles of the CEO. Yeah, they are essentially the CEO, but. I, very fair on paper those little world yes millimeter long things are the leaves. exactly i know no one really thinks about this uh but it's just like the the end of the western roman empire alex oh wow tell me more casey <laughs> well you know all the emperors were just puppets they didn't do anything but on paper ah, they were in control interesting but really it was the behind the scenes generals doing all the work Oh. So I think that that's really, I think you're 100% right. Okay. So I think from now on, we're just going to call them the leaves by accident because we're probably just going to call them the leaves. Yeah. They're lowercase l leaves. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> well, let's talk bark case. The bark is also an interesting kind of thing. It is shaggy and somewhat fibrous, mm. but it also kind of pops off 
as if it is like a um, a shag bark hickory or something like that. It does look very coniferous. Yeah, so it's like it, it's <clears throat> popping off, but it's not. So it looks like this mix between a juniper and a hickory, yeah. like shag bark specifically, where the the branch or the the bark is kind of popping off. Yeah, as kind it of gets bell older. bottom shape. Yeah. Which I think is so fascinating. Like it's it's just kind of it does a little bit of both, and it's kind of reddish gray, kind of brownish gray. Like it depending on the age of the tree, mm. it looks nice, but it doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, I don't think it's very fire resistant. I think it'll just kind of fire will affect it and kill the tree. But they often sprout from the base again if you don't uh, completely kill off the roots and everything. Mm. Not That's so a little much, bit of a foreshadow, isn't it? it oh, it is. Oh, very much so. But there's really three species. One species, uh, I think it's the Casserina cunninghamia. That one is way more likely to sprout, whereas there's another one called Casserina glauca. That one doesn't sprout as much, nor does uh, the one that we're talking about today, Equicetifolium. Interesting. So they apparently will, if you give them a chance, they, ju- they generally, though ours will not, but... They have a really intense fibrous root system that's very shallow. So they grow out. And another thing to note, uh, the morphology doesn't really show this very much, but apparently they can take the worst possible conditions, grow totally fine, and then they'll just get knocked over as soon as wind comes. Right. (laughs) Which is kind of funny. Like, I just, they're a super tough tree, it sounds like, in every regard, until you like a wind comes and it's then they're just like, ah, and they just keel over. It's like one of those Western town movie facades. Exactly. Yeah. Like you get a strong breeze and the whole thing just kind of topples. But, yeah. They, they're, they do have, I will say, uh, um, you know, you shouldn't judge a, a tree by its bark. Sure. But uh, so to speak. But looking at this tree, I'm like, this is a this is a flimsy beech tree. You know what is so curious about B-E-A-C-H. this? B-E-A-C-H. Oh, yes. Okay, good. Good call, because I think it's also very closely related. Now, funny thing, <laughs> Alex, did you uh, happen to find the Jenka hardness of this? Uh, of this wow, tree? you know, I didn't look into it, Case. Did so, you? I didn't. I Well, I, I did, but I couldn't find it for this species. Interesting. But I have read multiple places that the wood is so strong, it will ruin saws. Wow. Like it apparently, if you want to cut it down, you need to cut it down and then chop it into or cut it into small firewood before it gets dried out. Because once it gets dried out, it's one of the hardest wood woods around. Wow. That's kind of shocking. It is amazingly shocking. I guess if wind blows these trees over really yeah. easily, they're they're coming out like roots first. Exactly. They're it's not the breaking roots. in half. Precisely. Yeah. So I, I just thought that was like such an interesting thing. It's very which odd. It really just kind of will come into our discussion of this tree in a little mm. bit because it just seems like from from one side, this tree's awesome. From the other side, everyone hates this tree. Yes. And I just am kind of like, okay, so I'm just, I have whiplash from it's looking like a back. Tennis and forth. match. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Casey, I want to talk about the flower and then the quote cone. Oh, thank you for putting the quotes on. Yeah. This flower, it's a, this is our tree is a, a monoecious tree. Most of the other species are dioecious, so they have male trees and female trees, or rather trees that have the pistillate versus trees that have the staminate flowers. Monoecious being that they have both. Precisely. Yeah. So these are the male flowers, the the ones that produce the 
pollen. Those are like little catkins. They're yellow, maybe an inch or so long, look very, very similar to all the other trees that they're related to, your oaks and your uh, your walnuts and that kind of thing. Hmm. But the pistillate flowers, the ones that we generally call the female flowers that have the ova inside, they, to me, hmm, I think the best way to say it, Alex, is they look like one of those little troll dolls. Yeah, familiar? sure. Uh, but the troll has been going bald for like <laughs> a couple years. Okay. So its hair is very thin. It's, uh-huh. still, it's, like, it's coming out. It's very kind of wiry. I can see that. Yeah. It, it looks like, um, have you... <laughs> Have you ever seen a baby, uh, like a brand newborn, that has like really like stringy hair, like its hair just has not quite, quite come in? Yes. But it's also not like a nice full head of hair. It's kind of like, it looks a little alien-like. That's the hair that's going to fall out before the real hair grows. I think that that is what this looks (laughs) like. Wow. Except it's red, like it's this gorgeous kind of ruby color. (laughs) And... It's it's just, you know, it looks like these fun little things. It actually looks to me a lot like a beach, uh, a true beach flower. And it ends up growing into these little tiny inch, maybe three quarter of an inch capsule or like clusters of capsules. They call it just a seed head. Yeah, it's like an aggregate of capsules. It looks like it, yeah. And then it pops open. As it pops open, it releases these little winged seeds that they constantly call Samaras. But I just, I, I just don't think botanically that's correct. Why not? Because a Samara is itself the whole thing. This is a mm. Samara that is coming from a capsule that opens up. Yeah. So I, I don't think that, I, I mean, it's hard to put all these things in boxes, but I think botanically speaking, this is not a Samara. This is just a winged seed. Because, okay, because the capsule would have to be the Samara because it contains the Precisely. Seed. Yes. So they, those two things would have to be fused together. Yes. And then there would be a wing that comes off of that. Right. So that would be my botanical non-expert opinion. Okay. So if anyone else has any idea about this, please send it my way because I, I just am not convinced that it is a true Samara. This I think is, it's a wing seed. This is like a tree of lies. This it, is like... It seems like it. The trickster god of trees. But also, you got to give it credit because it's it's a tree that like has completely done all that. Like It's tricked so many different people mm-hmm. into calling it a different thing. It also like just does things... It, it just... It's, I don't even... It's like a platypus. Like It just hmm. is... It does not fit any like really good <laughs> description. And like if you saw this... In like a fossil record, uh-huh. I feel like people would be like, what the hell is this? What yeah. is it related to? It definitely looks like an, a prehistoric plant. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the horsetailness of it all. Right. Very true. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, it even has a crisis of identity taxonomically. Casey. It totally does. Yeah. They it used to be all Casarina, hundred species. Now it's in four different families. Wow. So it's a, uh, it's very much uh, has gone through some transitions and obviously we call it she oak is a, a very common name. Funny enough, apparently it's called that because the wood is so hard. So the oaks of Europe would be, uh, I guess, I don't know where the she came from. I, I, she oaks. I assume so. Yeah. So it's like there's the, the oaks of Europe and this is well, the she oak. It's, it's like one of those oaks, but it's the she version. Wow. So I don't really understand it. And I saw some things like, eh, it, it, the, the terminology is ambiguous as to why we call it that. We really need to cover more they, them oaks. 
Representation is very important. So it's such a stupid joke. Yeah, I know, but I'm glad you said it because that's a that's a funny joke in our our moment in time. It didn't help that you were taking a drink of water when <laughs> I, I know, said so it, I and the punchline flopped. Well. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> so those are the parts yep. of this wild little pine oak thing, right? And Noah is curious about this tree hmm. to add another layer of platypusness to it. Wow, platypusness. Yeah. Platypusness. It is, uh, it has in it, rather, in its roots, it has frankia. That is, if you recall, the bacteria that lives in the root nodules of alders and some other species of trees. So it is a nitrogen fixer. It will put nitrogen back in the soil where nitrogen is lacking. So it can grow in some of the worst areas, the like the the quote unquote barren wastelands, it will grow in those places because it, it can get essentially its own important nutrients, either from the air or from these, you know, little nodules in its roots. Wow. So put that on the plus side. Huh. It will rehabilitate soil that has no nitrogen in it. It's kind of an impressive resume so far. Isn't it? I would look at this resume and be like, I got to meet this guy. What yeah, the hell? Okay. At least you're curious, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, so another thing about this tree is that it is native to, it grows in kind of the South Pacific. And the uh, the rangeland is hard to discern because it has spread a lot because it grows right on the edge of the ocean. It's very, very salt tolerant. Hmm. It will grow in sand in these places where sometimes high tide will come and cover the roots in the base of the tree, like at really extreme high tides. What does salt do to a tree that's not salt tolerant? Uh, It essentially dehydrates it. So it will suck out all of the water and cause it to die. Also, I think it will poison it just because um, it will cause the cells to be way out of balance in terms of their salt content. Mm -hmm. So it'll either suck it out or it'll push it all in and it essentially just causes uh, dehydration. Wow, just like us, huh? Yeah, pretty similar to us. Yeah, just like us. Don't drink salt water, everyone. It's really bad for <laughs> yeah, you. Dude. I mean, I don't think we have to say that. Uh, Casey, would now be a good time for my turtle tail? I would love that. But one thing that I think I should note before before you get into the turtle tail mm-hmm. is that this tree, growing where it grows, was spread throughout the world to do some very specific things. Mm. So it is. Uh, as we've noted, it fixes nitrogen. It grows in where where we would consider uh, a place to be barren. This tree grows, which I should note means it's not barren. You know what I mean? Fair point. It's like uh, there's alpine trees. It's a it's an oxymoron. Alpine means there are no trees. Right it's above tree line. Right. So it's it's like uh, okay if it if there are trees there, it's not <laughs> alpine. If there are plants and things growing, it's not barren. Yeah. Also, I don't really like the term barren because I think it actually is relating to a woman who's unable to have children. Yes. So a woman is barren because she is not fertile. So land that's not fertile is also barren. It's, but I don't know which one came first. It's sexist. Yes, I, exactly. And this is, we're going to talk about this. It's on our agenda. It has been for some time. But botanical, um, not botanical sexism. Uh, we've covered that way too many times. Yeah. This is ecofeminism. Oh, fun. Yes. It's very, it's a very interesting topic. We're not going to even talk about it here, but barren in the terminology that we use for women and for natural things, uh, 
There's a correlation there. And ships. Exactly. Oh, and for like all so many things. Yeah. I don't understand that. Countries. Mother, yeah. The motherland. Other than Germany. Germany is the fatherland. That's right. Mm-hmm. The Fuhrer. Yeah. Ugh. Which is, uh, it's, isn't it ironic also that most of these entire places that call their their land she are patriarchal societies right. that go through the man. That is interesting. Casey. Anyway, this is literally going to be a topic we're going to cover sometime <laughs> soon. So we're not, we can't dive too far into it. So anyway, the other thing about this is that they got planted in these places because people wanted to either do uh, one of a few things, stop erosion, which oceans are very good at eroding beach land. It's Mm. what they do. They've done it for a long time, but they also put sand back. So we tried to stop that. So we planted these trees and grew them along beaches and a little bit further inland where the sand or the soil is very sandy and very rough. So these trees not only put nitrogen back in the soil, which is good for the soil, they also are able to be wind breaks. They're also able to help stop erosion. At least that's what we thought. I'm, I'm assuming that there's root structures are, are very hairy and they are. thick and matted. So perfect. Mm. Very well uh, determined. Concluded. Yes. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, Uh, Very well done, Alex. Thanks. Uh, So, but that's the thing. So, where the turtles come in, which we're going to talk about in a second. Oh, yeah. It's it's almost turtle time. It's almost turtle time. Everyone get ready. (laughs) Get out of your shells. Get out of your shells. (laughs) We planted all these trees Uh. in, in all of these areas where we humans wanted to stop the natural processes from happening. Right. Because we had a new different use for it. Maybe that's our own land use choices. We have a house and we don't want our land to literally go into the ocean. Or maybe we're like, wow, there's just all these dunes over here. We got to settle those wild things down, plant a tree on them. Mm. And this happened. So in their native area in Australia, for example, they're like protected trees. Really? Yeah. They are one of the, the, uh, there's an evolutionary partnership with them and a black cockatoo that they eat a lot of the seeds. That's right. So in other invasive places where there are invasive parrots and cockatoos and uh, parakeets, other birds, they eat the seeds, all these little minute seeds. Uh And so there's, there's, you know, this partnership between certain birds and these trees. They also are in their native area, very good at putting these nitrogens and these soils back in. So they they have all these things that when you take them to a different location are really bad in their home are really good. That's very curious. Yeah. It's, it's almost uh, a reverse Superman. Oh yeah. You they take have superpowers <laughs> on their home planet. Yes. You put them on earth and they're debilitated. That's so good. Yeah. On earth, they're just a, a, an ecological scourge. So they become a liability. Yeah. So all that to say they have this weird effect on turtle habitat. Yes. And Alex, you wanted to do this tree initially because you're like, I want to talk about turtles. Casey, I think I have an idea for a tree. And I'm yes. like, I know exactly what tree you're talking about. This is going to be great. So uh, off to you, Alex. Tell well, us thanks. about these turtles. So, okay. The, the, here's, I want to give a little bit of a preempt here. I know you shouldn't, you shouldn't preempt things. You should just go into it. You uh, know? Don't, yeah. don't, give, don't give disclaimers mm. if you're about to perform. Uh, sorry, everybody, I have a cold. And then you perform and everybody's like, yeah, he sounds like shit. Yeah, you just got to go and, and have everyone assume that that was a, a specific choice you <laughs> right, made. A creative, yeah. a creative decision. Having said that, uh, I found one source on this story, Casey. Yeah. I could not find 
anything about it anywhere else. <laughs> and this source reads and plays like a high school ecology yes. like textbook video, you know? <laughs> Go to yeah. the website to see more. And it's like it's it's so fucking boring and you just are you feel like you're dying watching yeah. it. That's what this is. But it's a very interesting story. <laughs> well, the good news is I found a little bit more. And I okay. know that you also did. Well, sort of. I, I found more about, I just, I kind of went down a, a, a turtle hole. As one does. And found some interesting things about loggerhead turtles that I'm excited yes. to talk about. And that is, I found the same stuff. Oh, and wonderful. I am not going to telegraph, Alex, what I found. Oh. Or rather, a finding that's going to cause just... Just so much controversy. Oh, I love a controversy. <laughs> oh, let's talk turtles, baby. <laughs> All right, it's officially turtle time. Um, okay, so once upon a time, Casey. Ah, turtle time. This group of loggerhead turtles found its home on the beaches of Kiwaden Island. Mm. And if you look at the map, Kiwaden is like a really long island. Uh-huh. It's almost like... You know, when I think island, I think like a, a blob in the middle of the water. Mm-hmm. This is like a little, this is like an island by proxy where it's just like a strip of land uh, with a yeah. little water between it and the mainland. The, uh, they call those barrier islands. Okay, yeah. I think it's that. Yeah. Um, God knows why people live on this thing right next to the Gulf of Mexico. I mean, it seems like a terrible idea. Yeah. I, some people are, I guess they like this. I don't know. You want to live on your own Hurricanes, island, I guess. I guess. Yeah. Well, people have their ideas. Yeah. Uh, so people live on this island, Casey, but so do turtles, loggerhead turtles. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, the scientific name for loggerhead turtles uh-huh. is Coretta Coretta. What? Um, and I wanted to say this is Bob Dylan's favorite uh, sea animal. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Karina, Karina. Oh, okay. This is Coretta, Coretta. This is Coretta, Coretta. Honestly, what is that? Uh, that is, I, I had no idea. Yeah, it's it's one of those. It's one of those. So nice they named it twice. I love this. A Walla Walla so situation. So easy. Yeah. Um, so loggerhead turtles, beautiful animals. They look like a sea turtle. Um, they've got these big. Keratin beaks. Yeah. Are they considered beaks, Casey? I, you know, I think that's a perfectly fine description. They certainly look like beaks. They feel like beaks. Hey, if it quacks like a duck, right? Yeah, if it quacks like a duck, it might be a turtle. It might be a turtle's beak. Um, they are, this was interesting, they're carnivores. Yes. Um, so they just like crunch through crabs and shit. Yeah, that's the beak. Yes, that's the beakness of it all. Um, so these loggerhead turtles found found a home on this Kiwaden Island. Yeah. The way turtles are born is really interesting, Casey. Yeah. So the mother turtle, let's start from like kind of the middle. Yeah. The mother turtle lays eggs Mm -hmm. in a hole in the sand. Yeah. And they they climb up out of the water. Yes. Onto the beach, like above the tide line, right? Yes. Yeah. And they they lay their precious little soft eggs. It's kind of, it's, they're not really like, they're not really like, chicken eggs where it has like a hard shell yes yeah 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 they're, they're really soft looking yeah that's I, i've seen that like it's it's another reptile thing where their eggs are not like calcified yes yeah they're like membrane exactly uh, contained um they lay their eggs they boop, 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 you know put some sand on mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. they sit Ta-da. on top of it like a rooster or like a hen excuse me <laughs> 
<laughs> versus like, how dare you? <laughs> and then, you know, some time passes and the eggs hatch. That's that's all normal. So do the loggerheads stay or do the do the, the mothers go back into the ocean? Uh, that I don't know. Okay. Do you know? I think they go back into the ocean, yeah. While the eggs hang. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. They don't they don't protect them. It's a, it's one of those uh, what is it? K specialists is it K? Right. I think it's K. It's yeah. like a, a number over Yes. Uh, what is it? Quantity over quality or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um Throwing shit at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice, respectful way to put it. <laughs> uh, so the way I describe this is a K reproductive system. They just throw shit at the wall and hope some of it sticks and uh, carry on their germ lines. So uh, moving on. Yeah, a few weeks later, you got some turtles. Uh, so the baby turtles, they come out, they down yeah, to the ocean. They have to like crawl out of this hole. I've seen videos of this where they just kind of like emerge. It's wild. They swim through the sand to the, the surface. Yeah. Crazy. And you know, um, as is K, K, uh, what is it called? K selection. Yeah. Or K reproductive K strategy. Reproductive yeah. strategy. A lot of these little baby turtles do not make it to the water. Mm-hmm. They perish in the hot sun. It's very sad. Um, but the ones that do Casey, this was my most fascinating find. Hold on. We were doing this backwards. It's R. I, I should have checked this before. Oh, shit. R selected species. Well, they have shorter lifespans and they uh, essentially just throw shit at the wall. Many young and they, they just let them go. Let's keep it as it is to show that even experts make mistakes. Oh, thank well, you. Well, we're not experts in turtles. So the <laughs> yeah, we read this somewhere else. <laughs> Novices make mistakes. Um, so the turtles that the baby turtles that do make to the water, uh-huh. something really fascinating happens. They call it the lost years. What? There's a chunk of time between the ba- the baby turtles hatching uh-huh. and the baby turtles returning, the juvenile turtles returning uh-huh. to uh, to uh, feed. Really? There's this chunk of time. People, they don't know where they go. It's very hard what? to track baby turtles, Casey. I don't know if you've ever tried. No, but there's something similar to this with like eels. Where like thousands of eels from across the ocean all go down into some giant hole and right. then they come out having mated with new eels. Yes. And and wow. nobody really knows what they do. They're called the lost years. <laughs> That's so interesting. How many years? How long is it? I don't know, Case. Wow. Uh, but it says lost years, so I'm assuming it's... Maybe it's years. That's so curious. I know it takes like 25 years for them to get sexually mature. Yes. So interesting. They just disappear. They go into the, the great ocean, the great beyond. Yeah, they go on their room springer and they come back as, as young men and women. That is so <laughs> fascinating. Having fr- had their first sip of alcohol and their yeah. first television show. Good for them. Um, so they, they the little babies come back yeah. after, their, after their lost years. Okay. They've grown a beard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're now... They, they, they have they have political opinions. Yeah, <laughs> got weirdly conservative. <laughs> um, they on the east coast where where our story takes place. Uh-huh. There's an area called the Sargassum Sea mm. or Sargassum. Mm-hmm. It's a type of uh, seaweed. Yeah, and that's where a lot of these turtles go to just like ah. feast and grow. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it it is a heyday for predators. Seems like a nice place though. Yeah. So once they're fully grown. They head back to where they were born yeah. in order to mate. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. And the whole process and they do it again. Starts over again, Casey. That's beautiful. And here's a here's a fun little um, here's a fun little a little tidbit, Casey. They are temperature dependent, sex determinated. Yes, <laughs> and that is 
the crux of, of like this whole conversation. Yes. I love it. Fascinating. So in this little turtle egg hole, yeah. as we'll call it. Turtle egg hole. The, the uh, egg in the hole, like the toast. Yeah. <laughs> um, if the turtles incubate below 82.4 degrees Fahrenheit, the wow. hatchlings will most likely all be male. Okay. If the eggs incubate at 89.6 degrees Fahrenheit, above 89.6 degrees Fahrenheit, uh-huh. they'll mostly be female. Wow. So... It's somewhere in the middle, you're going to get a mix. Okay, so if it's between those 80, 82 and 89? 82, yeah, 82.5 and 89.5, essentially. Okay. Um, you're going to get a mix of male and female. Gotcha. That's that's the optimal kind of uh, half and half. I suppose so. For 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 uh, continuing your lineage, yeah. that would be sort of like ideal situation, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, this, this, this... Do you know the phrase that turtle researchers have? <laughs> no, Alex, tell me. <laughs> the phrase, because of this temperature-dependent sex determination, <laughs> the phrase is cool dudes and hot chicks. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Man, what undergrad thought of that one? <laughs> oh, I love it. It's one of those wood uh, wide web things, yeah, right? you know? It's just so perfect, and you like kind of roll your eyes at it, and you go, yeah, actually, it is... It does make sense, It is though. perfect and a great way to remember this. Cool dudes, hot chicks. That's right, Casey. So, so silly. Which may them. be the name of the episode. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> that So that is... that When we are referring to this tree, that's one of the things, right, that people have talked about, where they shade the beaches. Oh, wow. Making it cooler. Yes. Making it more likely that loggerhead turtles will give birth to males. Exactly. Cool dudes. Cool dudes underneath the shade of these trees. Wow. The other thing, though, is that, like you noted, they have these really intense fibrous root systems mm-hmm. so that they, the, the, the adults that are about to lay the eggs, they are not able to actually dig down because... I don't know if you've ever seen a sea turtle dig a hole, but it's one of those things that has to be some anachronism from millions of years ago <laughs> where they are so inept. It's They're like, doing the best they can. Oh my God. It's like you and I going to the beach, taking our shoes off and digging a hole with the tops of our feet. I'm like, why? Oh, it's so amazing. I guess it's good that they're still going for it, but my God, they it are is, yeah. ill-equipped for the task. It is. You just, you kind of just want to put your hand on their shoulder and say, you know, there's a better way. Yeah, I can help. We, let me, we, you let me gotta help. figure out a better way to do this. Yeah. Um, so this key, this key, uh, key weight in Island Casey, yeah. um, as you, as you mentioned, as you alluded to earlier, the foreshadowing bit that, uh, these trees are planted in order to create a windbreak, right? Well, at least they used to now they're just growing. They are so horrifyingly invasive yeah. specifically in Southern Florida. Yes. Well, this, this, that's, that's where they, the residents of this Island were like, Hey, this, this will do. Yeah. Let's plant these along the coast. Exactly. Here. That'll keep our houses from literally getting destroyed by the sea. That's right. Uh, however, in doing so, they literally destroyed the turtle's habitat. Uh, naturally. Um, for the reasons you gave, you know, it makes yeah. everything cooler. The root systems take up the space that they need to dig the soil, which yeah. is already a <laughs> uh, arduous task for these little yeah. funny guys. Um, and also, uh, Casey, the first windstorm that came along. Yeah. I mean, it's southern Florida. There's a, the, the, they generally call the windstorms hurricanes down yeah, there. Yeah. Um, the first big ass windstorm that came through, 
uh, knocked over all yeah. these flimsy trees and uh, made it nigh impossible for the little baby turtles to reach the water. Yeah. And it fucked up the ecosystem so bad. That is just, it's crazy. This is just literally at this point, a physical obstruction, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a big sh- shit ton of a big pile of wood laying on the beach and you are a baby turtle and you go, I need to get over there. Yeah. There's the ocean. I hear it. I I'm following the reflection of the moon. It's right over there. Oh, is that how it works? I think so. Yeah. So if there's like lights on, on buildings, uh-huh. the turtles end up going the wrong direction. Oh. Yeah. Oh, there's some documentaries that are really <sighs> I, sad. I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah <laughs> no, we, we definitely should not talk about little turtles crossing uh, freeways. Uh, you know. Oh my God. Stop that. It's horrifying. By not, talking about it you were talking about it yeah i kind of did that so sorry so the residents i mean i mean uh, or, or maybe not the residents casey i think in the story it says it was like a group of um uh conservationists or bi- okay, yeah. bio uh rehabilitators or something yeah okay um said hey hey guy uh hey 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 guys you are completely fucking things up for these loggerhead turtles uh they were here first <laughs> please sorry please stop yeah S- step off so they came in they removed the debris yeah. from these uh, beach she oaks, and they started planting uh, native plants. Because mm. one of the big problems was that these beach she oaks just exploded in population and took yeah. over the whole beach. And I, I should add to this: I've read that they're also allelopathic, so wow. they shade things. They throw down a lot of litter. And they also chemically alter their environment so that they are by far the only thing that grows yeah. in any regard that is healthy or happy in this area. This is a, yeah, well, I'll come back to that. I have an idea about that. So they started planting native plants, um, kind of rehabilitated the, the region. Yeah. And a year later, Turtle populations came started to come back a little bit. There you go. It happened pretty fast, man. Well, I feel like it could. I mean, if one or two, because it's on like a twenty-year, you know, lag. Yeah. So the newly minted adults are now <laughs> coming back to this area. Right. So that I can imagine if uh, if they if they catch it, maybe in the next few years, there's going to be a, a dip after they do their work because Mm. everything that happened or all the the generations that didn't quite make it in their full strength prior to removing all that stuff those are going to be lagged by another 20 years you know what i mean oh wow okay but every but it happens every year there are new babies every year yeah but if those new babies uh don't properly uh if their population is reduced i got it yeah wow um, yeah, anyway. so uh, according to this one source, uh, things are, are becoming uh, back to normal and he- a healthy environment yeah, for the turtles which now. is so great. I mean, uh, that one source, that one spot, that's mm-hmm. fantastic, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Like they basically it's a success said, story. do this, change it, and then it had an immediate effect. Yeah. It happens a lot with salmon as well. Like if you get rid of a dam on a certain river, mm. then the salmon the very next year are going up and like repopulating this, you know, spot that used to be completely devoid of salmon. Wow. Because this dam was in the way. They also, uh, salmon like turtles are, are one of those animals that return to its place of birth. That's exactly to, what I thought. To me, yeah. Now, so here's, here's, a, here's a question. Because hmm. I found same exact uh, adage of uh, hot chicks and cool dudes. <laughs> yeah. Now, this was from a, I think it was an NPR 
interviewer or story from 2022. Okay. And they noted that the sea turtles are having more issues because they have too many hot chicks because of climate change. Oh, wow. So there are more hotter beaches in southern Florida because there's no trees there. Let's just say this is a fine habitat. But the sand is getting beat by hotter heat. So therefore, there are more hot chicks and less cool dudes. I mean, hey, (laughs) sounds all right to me, buddy. Spring break, baby. We're going. (laughs) That was a joke. No, it's a serious problem. Um, but so so here's a, here's here's my controversial take. These you have on one side an invasive tree that's making it so there's more cool dudes. Yeah. But then on the other side, where you get rid of the tree, uh, you get too many hot chicks. Well, what are we gonna do? Yeah, it's like we, putting. Well, that was like putting a bandaid on a cut that you didn't have yet, oh. and then you took the bandaid off and you got a cut, and you say, "See, I needed that bandaid." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but here's a. You know what? The they they ended with. A, I think it was in the same article. Uh, the, they said that the turtles actually have a very strong um, survival instinct. Mm. So in order to now find the right conditions, they're laying eggs, and they found it so recently, uh, as high as New Jersey. Wow. Have you ever thought of New Jersey as a uh, sea turtle <laughs> tropical wonderland? I do now. Yeah, yeah. It's wow. a garden state, baby. Well, the climate change, huh? Yeah. So Damn. it's... I, I am so curious about this tree because in all these places, it's like horrifically invasive. In Southern Florida, it is a type one noxious weed. Type one. Yes. Essentially, it is illegal to like physically have it in your possession to <sighs> procreate it, to do any propagation whatsoever. Wow. And it is, I don't think if it's, if it's like growing on your land, you're not like going to get in trouble, uh-huh. but if you're like a nursery and you're like actively growing new ones, okay. you'll get in trouble. Yeah. If get you, rated. Exactly. Yeah. And they're like, everyone wants to get rid of them as quickly as they can. But they've taken over like a bunch of islands in southern Florida, down mm. through the Keys, in the Bahamas. Uh, I've, like I said, seen it in the Philippines, but I think it might be native in the Philippines to some extent. I believe so. So there is, uh, it's just this very interesting thing where in certain instances, it's a tree that the same exact traits, everything's exactly the same. It's doing really good work. And then out of that context, it, the same exact traits make it just a horrific problem yeah and when it comes to the turtles i can't tell because i don't know maybe it's just that this is a space that has not ever had these kinds of trees growing there before but they grow in other places where other turtles exist right so i'm so curious if it's just this habitat where there's not historically this species of tree causing trouble or is it is there something else that's going on here? Because if you go down to Australia or you go down to any of these other islands in the South Pacific where Casarina trees exist mm. and grow in these spaces, are there still the same problems? I do know, Casey, that loggerhead turtles are like globetrotters. They're everywhere. Yeah. Anywhere in that zone. in that Like, like the tropical kind of warm yeah, water Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all around the world. So yeah. I, that is a curious question. I wonder if it's like... If your if your habitat is like relative, yeah. you know, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are these the, the loggerhead sub variety that's just like, no, we like this beach in this spot. Yeah. So if something else is here that changes that, yeah, yeah, we, we can't deal with that. It doesn't matter what our, what our cousins in Australia, yeah. how, how they deal with it. We haven't dealt with it. Here. Exactly. And here's another thought. And this is just because I said I needed to throw some controversy out before <laughs> people came around. There was a lot of d- just stuff on the beach. You go mm-hmm. to um, the Olympic National Park uh, in Washington State, here in the Pacific Northwest, and they have a whole section that is protected beach area. You go out there, and it's just covered in gigantic logs all over the place. Mm. If you, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. been there. So if we went to uh, any of these beaches prior to Western people coming and cleaning the beaches off or mm. burning all the logs or you name it, now we have beaches that are so pure sand that everyone's loving it, blah, blah, blah. But historically, anytime there was a giant storm and trees came down, went to the rivers, flow out into the ocean, they get thrown back on the beach, there would just be logs and, and detritus and things all over the place. Beaches yeah. historically are not perfect, you know, white sand things like they're covered in shit so i'm turtles have been around for a long time like they're one of the most long-lived variety of life that has ever existed Mm -hmm. so i'm very curious about this uh this being kind of a a short-term thing in terms of is it have really is it that a log or like that these these things have fallen and they they block the sea turtles is that something that the sea turtles have never dealt with in the history of their I lives see, yeah. you know so I, I i totally get that you know we see this habitat there's no there's no trees and there are turtles we then see these trees come up and then fall over and just look like shit and then we're like well that's causing trouble with the turtles it's like well hey that that is very fair. It is causing trouble with the turtles and we should get rid of it. And should we put it back to the way it used to be? I think your point is like, yes, this is a habitat specific zone. This island did not have these trees and these beaches were like this and these turtles crushed it. Right. But it just doesn't seem to me, rather, I guess I should rephrase. It seems to me this tree is being vilified here where doing the same thing elsewhere, it seems to not be a problem. Right. So I'm, I'm so curious and I couldn't really I, I, like dive into this, but what is the difference between natural ecosystem A and unnatural ecosystem B other than this tree was not initially over there, but if all the other characters are more or less the same, mm-hmm. Hmm. A very curious question, Casey. Yeah, I'm very curious about it. And I, I know you haven't really landed on an opinion, but I don't. we're going to have to. Oh, shit. Because after these ads, we're giving a review of this tree. Alex. All right. We'll be right back with our review of the beachy oak. It doesn't really roll off the tongue, does it? It doesn't. It really doesn't, <laughs> doesn't it? You know? In fact, every time you say it, it sounds like you're describing an oak as a beachy oak. Beachy oak. Yeah, it's like, oh, this is a beachy oak. I'm like, oh, yeah, it is It is a bit beachy, isn't it? It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today, we talked about the beach she oak, a.k.a. the Australian pine, and the loggerhead turtles, Casey. Yeah, we sure did. Habitat destruction brought on by, I suppose, 
someone's bright idea. Yeah. Hey, Casey, we have to give a review of this tree. All right. All right. I'm into that. Here's how it works. We're going to give some final thoughts and then give it a rating of zero to 10 golden cones of honor. I think we should also maybe give a little side rating to loggerhead turtles. Oh, to loggerheads. All right. Yeah, I can do that. Uh, Casey, as our resident expert, we'll begin with you. All right. So here's my thought. I think this tree is, uh, I think it's a cool tree because it does a lot of cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cool because it does uh, nitrogen fixation, which I think is pretty cool. I think it's interesting. Um, I like that it grows just about anywhere. It's a tree that you're like, man, I'm, I'm in this place and I have nothing that wants to grow here. What, is, is there anyone who's, who could volunteer? And your beach she-oak is going to be like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'm, I'm here to help. Great firewood. It is known, hmm. apparently, as the best firewood in the world. Because it's so dense. It's so dense yeah. and, like, very good at making, like, charcoal. Like, apparently, it's just super high-quality, high-BTU firewood. Interesting. So, that's great. It's been used in Australia by the Aborigines as uh, the bark as a canoe. So, it's it's got its uses. It obviously is protected in certain places because of the ecological uh, niche that it fills mm-hmm. in australia specifically is uh, one thing that i read other than that everywhere else outside of that native area it's a scourge yeah. everyone scourge scourge everyone scourge. hates it right so i personally have seen this tree a few times and thought to myself this is a this is a messy tree this is not a this is not a nice tree it doesn't have a nice beautiful form mm-hmm. it doesn't uh it doesn't seem to grow in a way that i'm like yeah that's it's a good looking tree it's like a grass tree it and it's also like a tree that is uh it kind of has meshed two different things together mm. where it's not quite conifer by any means of the definition but it looks and acts like a conifer mm-hmm. and it's not a broadleaf tree because it looks and acts like a conifer, though it does have flowers and this weird cone fruit thing. So I, I don't know. It for me is a tree that in its native area, okay, cool, thumbs up. Everywhere else, super thumbs down. Yeah. And it also just aesthetically speaking, does not choose a direction. It just tries to do everything all at the same time. Yeah. And I don't think it does any of them. In, in a spectacular way. It is it is, uh, it is a maximalist, for yeah. sure, aesthetically. I, exactly. So I'm going to call it, I have straight 5.4. Shit. It's just, I don't, I it, even if this tree's doing some good stuff, it appears that it mostly does bad stuff. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know, like, I always like a tree that is a superlative tree. This is not a superlative tree. I also this is like, like an tree. anti-superlative tree. It, yeah, it really is. Yeah, it doesn't do anything extraordinary. It <laughs> yeah. just does everything kind of mediocrely. Yeah, but like a lot of stuff. Yeah. So it's a good generalist. You know, great. You 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 got that going for you. But I don't know. I, I, I like... I, the only reason it's not lower is because it does grow in places and like perform a, a task where mm-hmm. other trees cannot. Maybe uh, you're planting it in a spot that does not have turtle habitat that needs to be protected. Great. That's a perfect tree to grow in that area because it's going to do well and there's no other trees that are going to get there. Then you can cut it down and turn it into firewood. Awesome. Like, I think it's a tree that has a really good spot, a really good niche to fill and a space ecologically and culturally speaking, that's very good. So I don't want to throw this tree completely under the bus, but Mm -hmm. 
honestly, it just doesn't really do it for me. I get you. And in my experience, I am like, yeah, you know what? You can go. The biggest thing, Alex, like truthfully in my heart, mm. I want it to be a conifer. And then when I know that it's not a conifer, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. I'm just disappointed. It could have it could have uh, achieved great things yeah. had it just grown a fucking cone. Hey, could you just grow a cone? <laughs> That's all I'm asking. 5.4 golden cones of honor. I'm giving it a 5.4, Alex. That's and, what I think. And for uh, loggerheads. You know what? <clears throat> because of their fun name, I'm going to give them yeah. a 6.4. Okay. You know why I don't give them anything higher? Why? Because they still dig dumb holes with their weird flippers. Yeah. And it's just like you, oh my God. It's also like such an important thing, you know? You would think they would have... Uh, Figured something out. Yeah, like improved a little over, yeah. the, over, yeah. over the millennia. Casey, um, I I think the beach she-oak is fine i don't know it's just trying too much stuff and it's not doing any of it particularly well uh-huh. and it's and it's wildly invasive wildly um, inva- number one although invasiveness is in itself is sort of interesting because it's so conditional you know yeah um so if i were an australian it's like being born if i if i'm born in ohio uh-huh. i'm probably going to end up being a christian <laughs> you know but if i'm born in Iraq, I'm probably going to end up being Islam. <laughs> okay. And both I think they're saying, right, right, you know? So, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but if that person who was born in Iraq was born in Manhattan, they, they would think differently. Yeah. I so, <clears throat> I, 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 I think, uh, I think it's okay. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't have much of an opinion on this tree. I, I, uh, I have an issue in general with trees who try a lot of different stuff and don't do any of it great, ah, really well. Yeah. You know, okay, yeah. Like, what's more annoying than somebody who says they're they can do all these different things? Yeah. And they have, a, oh, I can, yeah, I can do massage. Um, yeah, you need your roof retiled. I can do that. Uh, and then you hire them to do both of these things, and they suck at both. And you're yeah, like, it's oh, like, oh, I you, see. You technically did it, but you, yeah, you just have like this overblown idea of what you can do. That's how I feel about this tree. Gotcha. And then you see it perform and it's like, Oh God. Okay. Um, so I'm going to give it, (laughs) by the way, if you're going to be a big tall tree with the hardest wood in the world, put some effort into your root system. (laughs) Yeah. Just as a side note, just pay attention to your feet. What the hell? I honestly, you know what I, I think? Most of the literature I found uh-huh. is all about it being a highly awful invasive tree. I could have gone way more in depth, but I do have to admit to myself and everybody else, reading too many scientific papers just numbs me to death Blech, and I can't yeah. do it. But there are, I'm sure, far more sources that can talk about it. its ecological. In fact, I have them. I just was like, I got to go look at some other things for this episode. Um, th- so it's native habitat. Like I bet you that it lasts and grows for way longer because its root systems have developed for that space. Yeah. I doubt that they just fall over so easily uh, in their native habitats. I don't know for sure. This comes back to, I mean, you know, it's not the tree's fault. People planted it in places where it shouldn't have been growing. I mean, Christ, it grows to 175 feet. That can't just be something that it grows in 175 feet and it's just like, man, now I'm keeling over. Yeah, you don't get that tall without 
yeah. having been through the ringer a Some little. Some substantial ability to do yeah. that. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I, I'd be willing to bet if we talk to some other people who are pros that don't live or have a vested interest in Florida, mm-hmm. then we might find, <laughs> we might find some uh, different yeah. perspective. My people. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a 7.0, Casey. 7.0? Yeah. Wow, you went higher than I expected. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't feel like being too too mean to it. All but, right, that's uh, fair. I'll, I'll take I'll take the heat. Yeah, it's like that person who you know the same person who offers to massage and change your and and to retile your roof. Uh-huh. You're not gonna like yell at them. They're just like delusional. Uh yeah. You're yeah. like, well, I knew what I I knew what I was getting myself into. Yeah, I don't blame you. I hired you because you were cheap. And then they ask you to to. Uh, to stow their car in your garage and you're like i can't do that for you i'm I'm sorry sorry. i have too many things uh casey that was our review of the beach she oak it is time for the completely arbitrary q a that's what i'm talking about this week's question comes from katsumi korochi katsumi asks casey hiya Hey there, everybody. Hey. I guess we're talking to one person. <laughs> yeah, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't yeah. know uh, say it's the dawn of a new era on Earth. Oh. 500 million years have passed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Evolution has progressed to the point of creating the megaflora. 500 million years? Yes. That's a long time. Yeah. Holy shit. Might be overshooting. That's a lot, yeah. Evolution, but this is a hypothetical. I think that takes us all the way back like to the uh, the like solar, or the ordivortion, something like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Evolution has progressed to the point of creating the megaflora. The megaflora. What would the conditions need to be to create 200 meter tall trees? 200 meter. <laughs> and what Casey is just fundamentally has a problem with this question. And what megaflora trees would be present in each biome so let's imagine let's imagine the pacific northwest because we're biased imagine a 200 meter tree that is uh 600 feet yep 656 according to my uh calculations there you go um what would need what would the conditions need to be casey really stretch your imagination here yeah for a 650 foot tree to exist Okay. Uh, as far as we know, the tallest tree to ever live is what, like 300 and some? About 400. 400? Yeah. Okay. So this is 200 feet wow. plus higher than the yeah. tallest tree to ever exist. Ooh, okay. So stability. We need sure. to have stability. Okay. So I say stability <clears> in <throat> that uh, the, there, there can't be like wild swings in temperature and mm. weather patterns and things like that. Not just not just physical stability. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, this would be like a, a, uh, a very stable ecosystem. Yeah. So over these 500 years, things would need to 500 develop. 500 million I'm sorry, years. 500 million. Oh, my God. They would need to develop in a way that has not changed for like a hundred million of those years mm. where everything's been exactly the same. And I say exactly, but maybe just they, they change so positively slowly, but not enough to be so vastly different from where they were previously Okay, that the trees that have developed this mega flora, all the rest of these plants, it shouldn't be just trees. We shouldn't just pin it there. This is 500 million years in the future. Probably plenty of ferns yeah, out there. Exactly. So I, it would need to be. And the ant people rule the world. (laughs) As they do today. Don't, don't question ants. Uh They'll bite you. (laughs) So it would need to have this, this amount of stability, right? So the the things that we're developing, they're like, okay, I'm going to grow an inch taller. 
And then the next one's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to grow a foot taller. Mm. And and it can do those things and not get knocked back. Sure. Essentially not be like, well, that was a complete failure and then die and then have another tree grow up. It would need to be stable enough that the trees know exactly what they're dealing with and they know exactly what to expect. And extremely slow and steady. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So it would also need to be, I think, warm and filled with carbon dioxide. Sure. Because those are the things that really get things to be, you know, moving. And the all the right conditions would need to be um, essentially as it used to be when like the whole world was more or less tropical. Mm-hmm. Where there's, you know, we have now very deep soils. In another 500 million years, our soils will get nothing but deeper. But we'll need to have no uh, no volcanoes and no gigantic uh, things that are affecting this, like tsunamis, you know, stuff like that. Glaciers. Yeah, exactly. So glaciers are gone. We've now had all of our climate changes is, is happened. They, oh, 500 million years. Don't worry about oh, it. Oh, right, right, right. That's so far yeah, that it's like we've we'll gone through so, several cycles. Yeah. Our evolution will have already passed into something completely <laughs> different. There, like 500 million years ago, Alex, mm-hmm. there were like maybe pre-squids and like little oh. clam-like things and algae. Pre, pre-mammal. Oh, pre-everything. Yeah, pre everything. I think almost pre-insect. Like wow. there was, there were arthropods, but they lived in the ocean. Plants had not yet come onto land. Cool. Yet. So that's the kind of timeline we're talking about. Gotcha. So the soils would have to be big and deep and the root systems of the trees would need to be able to go down. So there has to be plenty of water, mm-hmm. uh, but also enough rock and sta- stability that they can send down some big roots and have something that is stable that they're working in as a substrate. Okay. And I think they also need to be in big forests and the carbon is what's going to help with this. They need to get huge. Like they need to have bases that are tens and tens and tens of feet around. Like mm. the, um, what's a tree? The tule, tule tree, uh, our Montezuma cypress. Yeah. That mixed with a giant sequoia oh, wow. in terms of height. But that all put together with a say redwood or another eucalyptus kind of tree Mm -hmm. that is very very strong but very bendable this can't be a pencil thin mile high i don't think so no i think it it has to have some some substantial width to it to be able to take you know those things it also needs to be very decay resistant they Mm. need to have evolved beyond the decay causing organisms i honestly think at this point we're not even talking about a tree it's, I think it's yeah. going to have to be like a, the next evolution of a tr- an X tree. Yeah, it's going to be. The, so what is that? The the difference of proto. So proto is like pre. So X is that afterwards? Oh, like I'm thinking. I'm, I'm thinking of like X Men. Oh, are like X Men are see. like the next species of human. You know? Ooh, yeah. Or so ho- maybe Homo, whatever. They're maybe that would be it. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're onto something there, Alex. It would be like a, a tree that has other ferns and things, where the tree itself becomes the ecosystem, yeah. becomes the ground. Yeah. So as it's growing, things are growing on it, but also with it yes so that it itself is is like this completely connected thing Mm -hmm. so that it's actively resisting decay growing bigger wherever it can make energy it's making energy but everything else has a stake 
in it making yes. energy and not falling over. So you have this reinforcing of the ecosystem. And it has its own mycorrhizal network just in that single exactly. tree. Yeah. By that point, theoretically, the mycorrhizal network and the tree will just become one. Cool. Similar to how we have uh, leaves yes. and chloroplasts, yes, right? Yes, totally, yeah. So now the mycorrhizal network will be so so involved wow. where we won't even be able to tell the difference. We'll just be able to say, well, yeah, well, these are two, these, these maybe used to be 500 million years ago, two different things. And leaves now look like uh, mushroom caps. Exactly, yeah. They're all doing the same thing, you know? There's maybe mushrooms uh, that are growing in the leaves to get more water into the leaves directly. The roots are now essentially... Pfft, old news no one needs the roots to get water we just take it right from the environment because yeah. that's what our fungal associates are for that's smart wow that's How such fun. a fun question i think honestly i think you're exactly right i think having like a full ecosystem of a tree mm -hmm. that's the future there's not it's not going to be a tree it's gonna be like yeah this is this uh, there's not even i don't know what it'll, what it'll be called term? something else yeah um, tree is going to be uh just a descriptor it's almost like a city in the sky yeah cloud city <sighs> And at the very top, Lando Calrissian. Lando motherfucking Calrissian. He's going to be up there. He's going to be chilling with his hot mustache. Yeah. Uh, and his capes. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Katsumi, for your question. What a fun question. Yeah. I love those kind of philosophical uh, brain teasers. Um, 500 million years is so long. <laughs> If you've got a question for us, Casey's over there having an existential crisis. Yeah. Uh, join the Patreon at the $3 Q&A tier. Of course, uh, if you want to support this podcast at all, the Patreon is a great place to do it. Patreon.com slash arbitrary pod. There's a bunch of different tiers for a bunch of different price points. We, it's a monthly subscription. You get bonus episodes. You can join the Cone of the Month Club and get monthly cone stickers. Uh, this month... Oh, is uh, still in the works because I got a little behind, Casey, oh, wow. with, my, with my bout of COVID. Ah, uh, yes. I, I, fell, I fell behind a little bit. Oh, it's going to be good, whatever it is. Whatever it ends up being, it's going to be great. Uh, it may be something that I draw myself. <laughs> no way. I honestly want to, Casey. That would be so much fun, Alex. Should we do I that? No I, sure, I don't care. Let's do it. Yeah, draw a cone. Well, okay. okay. Everyone, join the Patreon to hear us discuss which cone and why. Oh, fun. Alex is going to choose. I love this. And Sweet. no, it's I'm not going to do the Alex thing and choose like an ice cream cone or something. Oh, or yeah, traffic no, we cone. can do that. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll, be be, I'll be legit. Um, right. That is the cone of the month club. It's on our Patreon. Above that, of course, is Arbitrary Plus. You can get live streams every month where you can join in, and Casey and I will talk to you on the chat. And right. it's a lot of fun. We got a tight little crew there that show up every week, every month. Um, above that is Generous Admission. Mm -hmm. Starts at $20 a month, but it can go up to whatever you feel like uh, supporting the podcast with. Every dollar goes back into making this podcast. And uh, the. You know, keep quite literally keeping the lights on, Casey. That's exactly right. Yeah, uh, Casey, clap. Well done, Alex. This is well a fun done. conversation. Yeah, I had a really good time. I don't know where I stand right now. I uh, really don't. This tree's this tree's a Carina, Carina. it's an enigma for me. Yeah, it's an enigma. You know, uh, okay I I just watched um I just watched Batman Forever. Ah. terrible little movie. Huh. And uh, you know, Jim Carrey is in that. He plays the Riddler. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I I was I was reminded by this movie that the Riddler's like you know, civilian name, his his, his Christian name is Edward Nigma. 
Edward. or Enigma. I got a bird. Yes. And I thought you would have loved that. I, I do love that. <laughs> my it, but my Nygma. eyes rolled back in my head so hard. Oh, so good. <laughs> that, that movie came out like the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah 90, makes, 95, I think. That makes sense. This all makes sense. Um, Casey, I, I forgot to give my review to Loggerhead Turtles. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Alex. What do you got? Um, 10 out of 10. In the podcast. We can't do this. Thank this you so much for listening. Genius. This episode is completely arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Didn't even give us a good idea. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 